0: Oma jnana timirandhasya shalakaya Chakshuran milita mgena tasmai shri gura venamaha. Manmanam dhamma matramam dhamma dhamma satyam hati jane kriyasi me. Krishna consciousness means always think of Krishna, become his devotee, bow down to him, worship him, and prepare to go back home, back to Godhead, back to his daughter's feet. So this is our subject matter, Krishna. Krishna. There are many different organizations throughout the world, mm-hmm. and they're all different societies for not being Krishna conscious. Uh, in this society, uh, our aim and object is to be Krishna conscious. It means to understand God. Krishna means God. Because they we say God. Vogue. Mm-hmm. Different words are there. Allah. Bhagavan, Jehovah. Yeah, Bhagavan is also a title. So these are titles of positions. Just like... Uh, in any country, you may have the president or the prime minister. So, you know, the president or prime minister is a big man, man. Wherever he goes, there'll be cars will go in front and behind, and police on motorbikes and so on. We must do it here. So, you know, he's a big man. He's controlling the state, supposed to be. But it doesn't tell you about who he is as a person. The position is there, but it means premier, whatever, but he also has his own personal name. And although he's very formal in his dealings in the parliament or whatever you have, at home with his wife and children, he's relaxed. And maybe some personal friend will come, they'll joke, they'll slap each other, have some jokes, some fun. Even a close friend of the Prime Minister may call him by some nickname. So like that, Krishna Consciousness needs to know God personally. Worship of God is very good to understand the Supreme Person. That is required in human society. If human society doesn't recognize God, then it's like animal society. Minimum, we should be grateful to God for the facilities we have got. That is minimum. The food, air, light, water, all these things are provided by God. But God Himself, He's a person, Supreme Person, means we are also people. We have limited powers. He is a person, but with unlimited powers. That person means that. He's not just a benediction machine. God give me this, God give me that. But he's a person, just like you're a person, I'm a person. And every person is different from everybody else. Everyone has their own individual personality. Everyone has likes, dislikes, their own character, their own interests, emotions, feelings. So God has also. He also likes to have friends. He also uh, has his lovers, father, mother, friends, servants, but he's unlimited. That means the depth of feeling, of relationship he can have with us, that's unlimited also. And he can have an unlimitedly deep relationship with an unlimited number of people. We can only have so many friends. Some people, they only, they don't make friends very easily, they maybe have only one or two friends. And other people, they have few close friends, family members, and then a wider circle of acquaintances. People they know, they're friendly with, but they're not so much close friends. And there are other people who are charismatic, they become very popular. Just like some politicians or rock stars or film actors. They become very famous. People become very attracted to them. There's people like uh, Michael Jackson and Miss Madonna. They're people, that for some reason or other, people are attracted to them. So many people are attracted to them, but they can't reciprocate with all the people. Many people are thinking, well, I'd just like to meet Michael Jackson, but you can't get anywhere near him because he has bodyguards. And but even if you did get to meet him, you'd probably find out he's a pretty disappointing kind of person. There's big advertisement. He's so great. He's so wonderful. This is this, that, that. When you meet him, you find he's just as selfish person like everybody else. So Krishna is the original charismatic person. All these, everyone is cheering someone, maybe football star, this rock star, they you are know, supporting. Oh, he's our hero. Krishna is the original hero. He's the center of attraction for everyone. But it's not that we want to go to the kingdom of god and there'll be god there and there'll be millions and millions of angels sitting on clouds and there'll be bodyguards and you can't get anywhere near because he's unlimited he has unlimited numbers of devotees around him he's a cow that's what he likes to do that's what i said he can do whatever he likes he likes to be a boy. now you may say well i don't believe that how can a cowherd boy be god well, you can believe it or not believe it, but it just happens to be a fact, because he wants to be, and he's God, and no one can say to him, you can't be. He's also many other things. Sure. He's also the uh, Naryada Pudu Shotan, the emblem of morality, Lord Ram. He's also the emblem of fierce anger, in the form of Mishin Hadei. No if you think it's unusual, God being Coward Boy, you may be surprised to know that he's also Adi Baraha, the original heart. So he has many, many forms to enact his different past but His original form is as a He likes to be like that. And he has millions and billions of cows And millions and billions of coward boyfriends. Unlimited them And gopis, coward girlfriends. But he knows them all personally, by name. So you may think, how is it possible? It's not by material count. Krishna is not material. He's not under the laws of nature as we know them. He's God, which means He sets up the laws of nature. He controls them. He's independent of them also. Our poor scientists—they're spending so much time to study this material world, and they still don't have hardly any idea at all about what's going on in it. But even if they did, they still have to find out that this material world is only a tiny portion of the total reality. That the main part of reality is the spiritual world. And even if you discover all the laws of the material world, which they never will, the laws of the material world, they don't apply in the spiritual world. The only law in the spiritual world is that everyone wants to see that Krishna is happy. And Krishna wants to make everyone else happy. And Krishna doesn't care so much about laws. And if there are any laws, you can be sure he'll break them. Just to show he's God, he can do what he knows. So this is a little difficult for us to understand in our present state. When we say, God, what do we think of? I was just asking some girls from Poznan the other day. I said, well, God, someone good. Someone you pray to when you want something. When you're in trouble, you remember him. So, that's all, things are all true. That's the beginning stage of God consciousness. But really, that's the beginning stage. How deep, how wide is love of God? That can't be understood if we simply approach God as an order supplier. My dear God, I love you very much. I need more money, a better job. My son should pass his examination. And here's my list for this week. See you next week. Just like that uh, Catherine the Great of Russia. She explained her understanding of God.
1: Maybe you don't call
0: her great here. Mm-hmm. So she said that uh, I will be a despot. That is my business. That is my task. Despot means like a... Ah. Uh, Spot yeah, it means a nasty ruler who exploits uh-huh. everybody. And she said, and God will forgive me, that is his duty. So this idea, God is there, and he will simply give me everything I want, and I will do all bad things, and I'll go and say, I'm sorry. And he'll forgive me. So this kind of attitude is not actually very pleasing to God. That uh, we'll simply treat, use him for our own enjoyment. Just like a father, he's always prepared to arrange for the necessities of the children. But if there's no reciprocation of love, still he'll go on supplying, but I'm not very pleased with the children. But if the children, they reciprocate, then he feels very pleased. Just like uh, the father is arranging by his work, he brings money, and then the mother prepares some food to feed the children. Now, if the child is eating something and thinks, oh, this is very nice. So he says, oh, Papa, you take some. you." so the father he's arranging for the food anyway he doesn't need the child to feed him but if the child uh, spontaneously says oh here's something very nice please take it then he feels very happy he feels obliged to take it it's not that he needs the food but he reciprocates happily with the affection expressed so in the same way god is provide god the father is providing through mother nature to supply all our necessities even if we say, I don't believe in God, God will still provide you everything. Water, light, air, all these different things. But he's not very pleased. He's a person. He's not very pleased if you behave like that. You see, maybe not in Poland yet, but certainly in the Western Europe, America, all these places, you see old people very unhappy because they work all their life to provide for their children. And when their children are grown up and can look after themselves, they simply reject their friends. And I'm the not old not sure. people, the old people they have to go and live in some old people's home. Yeah, and their children, they hardly even come to see them. So, so they feel the uh, rejected. And they, they give so much affection and there's no reciprocation. Sometimes early in the morning in some cities in the Western country, I go on the street outside walking, chanting Hare Krishna. Surprised. It's like the first time anyone said anything nice to them for years. So like that, God, of course, God doesn't get depressed. But he's not very happy if we simply take off the from him and don't reciprocate with him. Or even if we formally reciprocate with him, he's not very pleased. As a formality, we pray to God, give us this day our daily bread. Can you imagine going every day to your father and saying, are you going to feed me today? It means uh, not very not very much faith in your father and even if you think he's going to feed you today that's all the relationship That God shall be a bread provider so God is a person I, know I that's implicit in, in, otherwise why are you praying to him you don't pray to a, a wall crossing Jerusalem whatever. anyway God is a person and he's looking for that reciprocation not that he's lacking we may think now I'm serving Krishna I'm, I'm doing so nicely Krishna is already being served by unlimited pure devotees Krishna is already served by unlimited numbers of pure devotees in the spiritual world so Krishna he doesn't need our service he doesn't even need the service of his pure devotees in the spiritual world because he's self-sufficient he doesn't need to eat or drink, or even if he did, he could provide all those things for himself. But he, Eko Bahusyam, the original one, expands himself into many forms just to exchange rasa, feelings of love and affection. So Krishna, he doesn't need our service in any way, but he feels some disappointment, that why are we conditioned souls in the material world, not serving him? He feels disappointment means that we are His eternal servants. We are His eternal servant. So He's missing. Where is that affection? Why are you not giving that to me? But more He feels for us that how we are suffering not remembering Him. He is not happy that we are not reciprocating with Him. But He's not actually suffering. But we are suffering. Ashish, aklish, nishyesha, unlimited suffering. On and on and on, life after life, we are suffering in this material world. So Krishna is not very pleased. Why? Why are you suffering? Why are you rejecting me? Why? why is, what is the point? Why do you like this? Why do we reject Krishna? It's a painful thing also. That Krishna, he's so much wanting to reciprocate that love and affection with us, and we are simply no, no, no. Can you imagine if you you want to be friendly with someone, right? So you approach them and say, Oh, hello, how are you? Very friendly, very smiling and nice. And simply, not, not interested. Rejected. I don't mean So naturally, you will Anyway, after some time again, you may try. Maybe when you go to college or something, you meet some new people like this. And then again, they simply, No. Or maybe even angry. No. I don't want to see. And maybe even, to other people for no reason even though you're only trying to be friendly with them for no reason they call you bad names they criticize you to other people so naturally you'll feel disgusted with such a person and you may even have some at the best you'll feel neutral towards them and probably you'll feel some kind of enmity towards them so that's more or less what we're doing to Krishna that Krishna is in our heart and he's calling to us to come to him but we're ignoring him or we are rejecting Him, or we're saying bad things about Him. Oh, God, I see the atheists there. So, no, no, God, reject God. Or some people just completely ignore Him. This is actually ignoring is even worse than rejecting. If you walk up to someone and try talking to them and they just act as if you're not there, it's very painful. You just completely ignore that you exist. So, this is what we're doing to Krishna. Krishna. And we've been doing it not once or twice, but for millions of lifetimes. But Krishna remains patient, another way, unlimited, unlimitedly tolerant. can't imagine that if someone is so mean to you, it will still remain his well-worship. Even a father will reject his son if the son is so obnoxious uh, repeatedly. No, Krishna doesn't reject, he's just waiting. When will this person come? He tries, in many ways, to awaken our consciousness of Him, Krishna yeah. consciousness. Yeah. He personally comes in different incarnations. Yeah. He speaks Bhagavad-gītā. Yeah. He arranges for knowledge of Bhagavad-gītā to be distributed throughout the world. He comes in the form of His great devotees, Shakti avatars, to spread knowledge of Him. And He spreads knowledge of himself very considerably with regard to time, place, and circumstance. Especially in the modern age, he has made himself easily approachable simply by chanting his holy name. And still, we reject him. But, even after rejecting hundreds and thousands and millions of times, if one time we say, show a little bit of interest, Krishna immediately reciprocates. If we make one step towards Krishna, Krishna takes 100 steps towards us. It is not that we After millions of lifetimes, you think, oh, I'm suffering so much, now I should, maybe I should surrender to Krishna." And Krishna does doesn't say, no, you're rejecting me, now I'm going to reject you. He doesn't say that. In some religious systems where they don't have a very clear concept of God, they have the idea that if you don't follow their particular system of religion, then God makes you burn in hell forever. They have conceived of God as being unlimitedly cruel. Because even an ordinary father, if the son makes mistakes, he may make mistakes many, many times, but he's always willing to give the son a chance. So surely God wouldn't, for for the mistakes you make in one lifetime, God, surely he's not going to punish you for eternity with no chance of future redemption. So the actual fact is that God is unlimitedly merciful. And unlimitedly merciful doesn't just mean that you say God is unlimitedly merciful, but you understand how he is unlimitedly. Unlimitedly merciful means that he's always ready to give you a chance. That we may have to suffer hellish punishment, but you'll get another chance. And even if you misuse it, then you'll have to suffer again. You'll get another chance. He's always willing to give you a chance. And he's always arranging that you have the chance to come in contact with him. And he says. That if you simply take to this principle of giving up all other engagements and simply surrender to me, then I'll deliver you from all sinful actions. So many horrible things were done, life after life after life. The Krishna says, Alright, now you surrender to me. I'll forget everything. You rejected me, you forgot me, you blasphemed me, you gave suffering to others. She says, never mind. Please surrender to me. Now you don't do all those things. Take shelter in my lotus feet. I will deliver you from all sinful actions." So this is unlimitedly kind and forgiving. So Krishna consciousness means to understand God, a person. Trying try to understand God very personally. <coughs> Just like sometimes in the newspaper they write the, the private life of whoever it may be, some big film star or politician. What does he like to eat? Mostly what they like to eat, we don't want to talk about. But what what are his habits, what does he do? And maybe they write, usually they write a biography. Every American president, after they've been kicked out of office, they write their biography and make a few million dollars. And then people who are like the secretary to the president, they write all little stories about his personal life. Just like Ronald Reagan, they used to write so many little stories about him. And they used to have big, big meetings with the head of the defense, finance minister, all the big, big people discussing some big problem. He used to have a packet of jelly babies. You know what jelly babies are? Not jelly babies, <laughs> just jelly babies. It's one kind of sweet. It's a sweet made from. See, Drishtaprabhu, he's very pure person. He never knows any of these things. <laughs> Whenever I say all these Maya things, he never knows any of them. <laughs> all the philosophical words he knows, all the verses, but something like Jelly Babies, he never know like So Ronald Reagan, he used to play with Jelly Babies and eat a few of them, and then the, the head of the defense would be saying, that's a very serious thing. So people were more interested to, to hear about these personal incidents they were more interested in hearing that, about that than like his policy, his foreign policy and his domestic policy. So this is one of the things that distinguishes Krishna consciousness from what you might say, other religions. Yes, yes. We are very interested to understand God as a person. What does he do actually? What's he doing up there in heaven? You know, there is one picture in the Sistine Chapel in Rome. i painting it. It's by, by the great artist, Michelangelo. Painting of God, he's sitting on a cloud. because He's somewhere up there, he must be probably sitting on a cloud, They he worked that way well. on. And he's very old with a long white beard. He's very old now. He created the world a long time ago. So he's got a big long white beard and he's sitting on the edge, looking down at all the bad people and punishing them. Oh, we used to hear about uh, When you go to heaven, you become an angel, and you grow two wings, and you hop from cloud to cloud, by a heart, hymns. So these are sentimental imaginations.